Well, I, I get to talk again, just kind of out of my own kind of experience and things that the Lord has been speaking to me throughout the week. We're not in a series. We wrapped up a series on prayer uh, two weeks ago. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to be talking a little bit about transformation. Transformation is my focus, my goal for today. Um, just because I've been feeling as, uh, uh, like in my personal life, um, the Lord lovingly transforming different areas in my soul and in my heart of which I am deeply um, grateful for. And so I just want to speak um, out of that experience, if I could. Um, I want to speak about, obviously, transformation of the heart, um, but also uh, transformation of culture. Um, I, I believe that the two are interconnected. Uh, Charles Finney said this, if you're familiar with the revivalists, he said, transformation is when the church loves, I'm uh, sorry, when the church, church's love for God is renewed, resulting in awakening and con the conversion of sinners. It always includes conviction of sin on the part of the church because it presupposes that the church is sunk in a backslidden state. Transformation breaks the power of the world and of sin over believers and brings backslidden Christians to repentance, having their faith renewed. When the church is thus awakened and reformed, the reformation and salvation of sinners will follow. The worst parts of human society are softened and reclaimed in its wake. Man, how many of us would love to see something like that transpire in our day and our time? I know I do. But let me start off by saying this. Cultural transformation starts with personal transformation. When our hearts experience that transformative work, the result of it is that culture, our surroundings, our families, our neighborhoods, like they're touched by the glory of God. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, by opening our lives to God in Christ, we become new creatures. This experience, which Jesus spoke of as the new birth, is essential if we are to be transformed nonconformist. I love that. Oh my goodness, transformed nonconformist. Only through an inner spiritual transformation do we gain the strength to fight vigorously the evils of this world. I say yes and amen, Martin. Yes and amen. I'm going to say a bold statement. I believe that culture's only hope relies solely upon the church of Jesus Christ. In this case, as the church goes, so the culture goes. Just like the temperature of our homes set by a thermostat, the spiritual temperature of the world is set by the church. The world will take notice of a church whose affections for Christ are burning red hot with passion and sincerity. Likewise, the world will take notice of a church whose burning love for Christ has grown cold. Jesus said this, that the church, we, the people of God, are the light of the world. And when that light goes dim, friends, what happens? The world gets dim. Hollywood can't do that. Media and politicians can't do that. Only a church whose people are being transformed by the power of God can do that. I think the best example of this is in the book of Acts. If you're familiar with the historical context, Rome 
is in power at the time, and it's all its might and global influence. It's said to have been, listen to this, toppled by the church. My goodness. The church was amongst the many elements or factors that brought the Roman Empire to its knees. One historian says this, one of the many factors that contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire was the rise of Christianity. <laughs> oh, I love that. It is a secular historian too. Uh, the Christian religion, which was monotheistic, ran counter to the traditional Roman religion, which was polytheistic. After different times, the Romans persecuted the Christians because of their beliefs, which were popular among the poor. Later, Constantine the Great, you're probably familiar with this, ended that persecution and declared the tolerance of the Christian faith. The spread, listen to this, of Christianity was so pervasive that it became the official state religion of that empire. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know, that, that gives, uh, I get a lot of hope out of that. The influence of Christianity grew so powerfully that, that Rome and, and, and the other parts of, of the, and countries that it was occupying were being transformed so deeply that Christianity became the official religion of the empire. Let me just say this, America is not too far gone. <laughs> if Rome could be transformed, if, if Rome uh, through the work of the church, the expansion of the church could be transformed in America, there's hope for America, there's hope for the globe. But this begs the question, where did it all start, right? Where did it all start? Well, most scholars, as I just read, believe that the massive expansion and outbreak of the church started with the apostles in the book of Acts, chapter two. I'm sure many of us believe that too. But they themselves in Acts chapter two, if you're familiar with the story, were in that chapter being transformed and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't wanna to get too much into it. We preach a lot about Acts. I'm sure if you went to our website, you'd find a series on the books of Acts. So, so get into it, look into it, get a little more context. But in the throes of all that was happening, uh, Peter, the apostle, stood and preached Christ so boldly and so convincingly that right after he spoke, 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're familiar with the gospel stories, you know that the same Peter who stood in the book of Acts and preached so boldly and so convincingly was not the same Peter that we, we saw in the gospels. Peter was a, a, a coward man, a, a cowardice man, and, and, and through the work and transformational power of the Holy Spirit, God made him a bold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and this is my point. Often the byproduct or the outcome of a church being transformed is that its surroundings, meaning the alleys, the street corners, the neighborhoods, will be transformed as well. What do I mean by transformation? Well, transformation, kind of like in a biblical framework, is when God's spirit renews, reworks, and in many cases, remakes a person. Let me say that again. Transformation is when God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, the person, the Holy Spirit renews, reworks, and remakes a person. It's like a holy makeover. <laughs> Sorry to be so, that's like a dad thing. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but it's not external, right? It's not external. 
It's internal. It's an internal makeover. Peter, again, was transformed from a coward to a bold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Transformation takes the unsanctified aspects of our lives and sanctifies them. Isn't that good? It sanctifies them, what? Into the image of the sanctifier. Who is who? Jesus. Come on, that's good. What places are you praying for the Holy Spirit to lay a hold of in your life? What are the things that you're needing God to renew, remake, and rework in your world? I have plenty places that I'm looking to God for this work. I pray you are too. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a child that's been drifting from the faith. Maybe it's a relationship that's gone sour with misunderstanding and unforgiveness. Maybe it's your love for God that's grown cold. Maybe it's your heart, you know, that's been hardened towards God that needs to be transformed. Maybe it's your lack of interest in the things of God. Whatever the case is, whatever it may be for you today, hear my words. God wants to transform it. The only question is, will we let him? Will we let him? God partners with us. He doesn't force anything upon us. He, he moves in our lives according to our willing, willingness. He's a gentleman. But there's an element to this that's, that's inevitable. Like transformation for the new covenant believer is inevitable. If, if you're not being transformed into the image of Christ, then you're probably not doing this thing called faith right. Transformation is to be expected. Right? If, if your heart is genuine and sincere about following Jesus, then, then you should be being transformed into his image. It's just inevitable. And how do we know that this is the case? Well, Paul said it was. In the book of Corinthians, actually 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18, we can put it up on the screen. It says this. We all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of the Lord and are what? Being transformed into the same image from, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What's important to understand here is this letter to the Corinthian church much like many of Paul's writings, he would contrast the Old Testament with the New Testament. And his goal was to show just how much more like glorious the New Testament was compared to the Old. For example, we can look at 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. Paul says this, Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Now Paul's referencing the accounts that took place in, in Exodus 34, where Moses' on Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments, and God's glory comes upon him. 
and, and, and kind of makes his face glow. It radiates with the glory of God. And so Moses covers his face in, in that chapter because he didn't want the Israelites to look at him. Um, and it, Paul includes, or concludes, I should say, in Corinthians, saying the accounts of the Old Testament were filled with far more glory than, um, are, are filled with far less glory than the new covenant is filled with glory. I see three distinctives actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that help us understand that glory, that better glory that exists in the new covenant. I'll start off with the first, and if you're taking notes, write this down. But what was once just for one man is now for all mankind. See, when, when Moses went to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments, um, he was told by God to go alone. And he actually told Moses to tell the Israel, don't let anybody come up this mountain or they will die. Here in the New Covenant, Paul says all men, all men can behold the glory of the Lord. <laughs> That's it. Secondly, Moses was the only one transformed by the glory of God. But Paul says now all men who put their faith in Christ will be guaranteed. It's not, well, maybe if you, you know, do this step and do that step. Paul says, no, you will be transformed by the glory of God. Now, all men, every one of us here can enter into that glory. Moses was the only one who was transformed and shined with the glory of God. And then thirdly, Moses' face was transformed in that it shined with the glory of God. But interestingly enough, under the new covenant, our very lives as believers are being transformed, not with just some radiant glory where our faces shine, but into the very image of God. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing what the Lord has set up for us in the new covenant through Jesus. I mean, the acts and, and the details that are taking place in Exodus 34 are astounding. I mean, the mountain shook. Exodus said under the power of God that there was a trumpet that just, it wouldn't stop, like resounding with sound. I mean, there was glory on that mountain, but yet it pales in comparison to the glory that we as new covenant believers experience in Christ Jesus. I would much rather take a transformed life, a life that has been transformed, changed from the inside out, than witnessing a mountain shaking or coming down off a mountain with my face shining with glory. Under the new covenant, every believer's lives can be or will be, if you're doing this thing right, transformed into the image of Jesus. The old covenant was filled with glory, for sure. But again, not the kind that could transform a very life into the image of God. But under the new covenant, we have that. Moses didn't have that. But friends, we have that. Essentially, in Corinthians, Paul invites every Christian, every one of us, to share and partake in this very special yet glorious relationship with God. 
My question to us today is, how many of us are, are actually laying hold of, of that transformative power that is available, that is, God is so willing to extend to us? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I would, as a young believer, constantly um, blame my failings on other people and other circumstances and other situations that I just felt like I couldn't control without really realizing that, that God had something better for me than just the blame game, right? And, and that was his ability to do a transformative work inside of my life. And, and unfortunately for me, it wasn't till later that I actually started uh, becoming more willing to let God in those spaces, in those areas of my life, to really lay hold of and transform. And friends, let me just, let me just, plead with you here. You don't have to wait, man. If there are places in your heart, if there are places in your life that you're just like, man, I have wrestled with this forever. Am I ever going to become free? Am I ever going to see these chains fall? Friends, I'm saying in Christ Jesus, yes. Yes, you will see it. If you are willing, God is willing. If we're going to clap, we might as well do it right, guys. This is on camera. So we can take, we can take those broken parts of us. We, we can take those pieces, those broken pieces that we have struggled with for years. And, 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 and we can take them and, and place them before God. Without feeling condemned, without feeling a bit or an ounce of concern and say, God, put these pieces back together Put, put this broke, transform, God, this brokenness. I don't know about you. That, that just seems like a very exciting, you know, that, that, that just seems to be uh, something that makes faith so exciting. That, that we don't have to live, per se, in, in bondage. We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live with years of just struggling with the same besetting sins over and over. That God in Christ Jesus has more for us than that. It's a transformative work he wants to do. You know, everybody wonders, how can I change, right? Have you ever been there? Like, how, how is this part of me, God? Gotta be changed. And, and we try every you know, book, we read everything, we, we, we meet therapists, and we try to you know, win God. And all of that's good. But how about just giving it to the Lord and, and, and asking for his transformative work to be done in that situation, in that marriage, in that child's life, you know, in that hardened heart that maybe you have or that stiff neck that you have. Maybe just invite God into it. Because God wants to change us. And, and, the, and, and the change that God brings will be lasting change. It, it won't just be, oh, I went to this awesome little conference. I read this great little book. I, I watched YouTube and this pastor was talking and it so touched my heart. And then in two days, you just forget about it. You know, The change that God brings will be lasting. It will be lasting. It will stick. It will work. Don't ever limit God. I don't care if you've been dealing with a certain kind of besetting sin for years, uh, 20, 15, 10, whatever. God, 
when you are willing, when you invite him into that place, can and will transform you. If he can do it with a man like Peter, who denied being a follower of Jesus to a little girl, to a little girl. You think about all that Peter experienced prior to that point. All that he's, think about the gospel stories, all that Peter witnessed, all that he saw, all that he took in, all that he saw Jesus do. And yet, when Jesus is at his, his worst moment, he denies being a follower to a little girl. But yet, this is the same Peter that we see stand so boldly on Acts chapter two and preach so powerfully that 3,000 people right in that moment give their lives to Jesus. If, it can, if God can do it in Peter, friend, God can do it in you. And I, I don't know about you, but man, in this season, I am believing God. I'm, I'm, I, I, for my, myself personally and for this church, I am, I am believing that God would meet us in such a powerful way where, where, where our very lives are transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. That's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm praying for. That's what, I, what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anguishing with God in prayer for this church. I want marriages to be transformed. I want our children to be transformed. And I just, I believe that that this is the business that God is in. He's in the business of transforming our lives. Not just, you know, I hope you get through it, you know, this kind of duplicitous lifestyle, you know. It's not what God's saying. I hope you get through this sexual problem or this materialistic problem that you have and just, you know, just, just fake it till you make it. That's not what God is saying. Say, no, I have the power that can transform that addiction. I have the power that can change uh, that, 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 that materialistic bent in your heart. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that that, that that God, Yahweh, the transformative God, meets us in a powerful way. And as a result, this is, this is what I'm, I'm believing in, why I'm believing it before. I'm not just believing it so that we can, oh, look at, you know, we're, we've become more moral and, you know, upright and, oh, we're good little Christians. That's not why I'm believing for transformation because I, I'm believing for transformation because I believe that as we are transformed, this city that we're laboring in will be transformed as a result. I'm believing it not just so I can be a better Christian, you know, although that would be awesome, I would love to be uh, uh, or have more joy and peace in my life. But I'm not doing it just for that reason. I'm believing that God will lay hold of this city and transform it as well as my heart is transformed, as this community's hearts are, uh, are transformed, that we will see the transformation of this city take place. Because it's the byproduct. It's the outcome. It's the outcome. And here's the awesome thing. It's promised to us. It's promised to us. Like we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to, have to, have to worry about it or, 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 or be too concerned about it. We just have to do this following Jesus thing with a, with a level of sincerity. Asaph, will you come? Father, I believe that something is changing in the life of our church. 
God, although we probably can't see it from the outside, Lord, we probably can't see it with our natural eyes, Jesus. I believe, Lord, that these last couple of months, there's been a, a work that you've been doing, God, in the hearts of individuals. Lord, maybe it's in a remnant, I don't know, but God, I, I have to believe that, Lord, it's just not me that's, that's feeling this passionate, Lord, about allowing you to come and transform areas of my life, Lord, that have yet to be transformed. And so, Lord, I, I just ask, Lord, that as you're moving on the hearts of maybe a couple of us, Lord, that, 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 that this thing would start to lay hold of all of our hearts as a community, God, that, that together as a fellowship and together as a body, Father, I pray, I pray, God, that we would lean and press into the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray it, Lord, here on Sunday, God, that we would feel the, the energy and the excitement, God, of what's been longed for over the course of the week, God. We, we would feel the excitement of that when we gather, God, that anything is possible, that any work, that any, anything is possible when we come together. God, I, I pray, Father, that we, we, we feel that same intensity when we come together and pray as a community, God. Let us feel that the Spirit is already moving with power, already moving in power, transforming our hearts, and God, transforming this city, God. I have faith enough for this city, God.
And all those things were personal, you know, those were things that God is doing currently inside my heart. And I imagine I'm not alone in that. I imagine that there are many here that, that you're like, yeah, man, I long, I long to be transformed. I long to be, you know, renewed. I, I long for the Spirit of God to rework some things in my life that it seems so broken, so damaged. And um, I, I would hate for anyone to leave here without just receiving prayer, just the prayer of agreement, just another believer saying, yeah, Lord, we, we, we call this into existence, whatever it might be, but just somebody to say, yeah, yeah, let's, let's pray this through. Let's, let's, let's. And man, if, if there are people here today, this morning, who feel like, I don't know, man, this sounds kind of